0: Hello, good afternoon, good morning and good evening from whoever you are watching or listening from. My name is Jamie Robinson and welcome to episode 8 of Three Blokes and the Rugby podcast. Due to bank holiday commitments today, there will only be two blokes in the broadcasting booth as I am joined by super sub Eden Harris. <laughs> Special mention to Salt Red Devils halfback Chris Atkin who is joining us on the podcast next week. He has been in some brilliant form this year and we're looking forward to talking to him and keep an eye out and an ear out in the next couple of weeks for a few more special interview exclusive announcements too. Aidan Harris, welcome back. Your boys demolished my boys this week in the NRL, which we'll get onto a bit later on. Yeah. Uh, who was your player of the week this week?
1: Uh, for me, there were only one possible player that I could have picked and it was James Tedesco. Just a fantastic performance. He's... He's not really been his usual self for the past few weeks. Not not playing poorly as such, but not really stealing the headlines like you expect from, from James Tedesco. But 217 run metres, 10 tackle breaks, a try and four try assists. That's just a fantastic performance. When I was last on this podcast, I asked you if there's a better player in the world than Nathan Cleary at the minute. And Teddy's just shown us why he has to be in that conversation.
0: Yeah, he's... he's... He seems to go up and down, doesn't he? Sometimes peaks and troughs, but even his, his troughs are still world class performances. So yeah, I'm definitely. sure we'll get onto it a bit more later. But like I said before, he's probably the first name on the team sheet for New South Wales and first name on the team sheet for, for the Roosters in Australia as well. He's, at his best, he is arguably the best player in the world.
1: Yeah, Looking at someone
0: else who's uh, playing at his best at the minute Parramatta zero. The South Sydney Rabbito's 38 in the Thursday night game in the NRL. The absolute mauling by the Bunnies really Adam Reynolds and career best form said by Andrew Johns on, on Channel 9 Obviously a, a legend in the game And Parramatta have, have kind of been found out a bit We've mentioned the past couple of weeks on this podcast With a few average performances A few lacklustre games They've managed to scrape wins against the Bulldogs And, and teams like that And, and they had a, a good win last week Against a, a depleted Melbourne side But they really came, came down with a bang this week Didn't they mate? 38-0 against, against the Bunnies
1: Yeah, I just think that they're incredibly inconsistent. Like we've seen when they're at the best, they can be unplayable. The Beat and Penrith, who are obviously top of the tree at the minute, but they just can't seem to to string those performances together enough to sort of properly challenge at the top of the table for, for the league.
0: I think the spine of the rabbits in the past couple of weeks have really been coming to to the force as well. You know, Latrell Mitchell's coming into his own at fullback. Cody Walker and Adam Reynolds have been brilliant, and Damian yeah. Cook is never out of form. He's always got an eight out of ten performance in his back pocket. Obviously, a little bit of disappointment this week with Latrell Mitchell being ruled out for the season with the hamstring injury. But you can see their form really coming to it when the spine's in form too.
1: Yeah, hundred percent, mate. I think. It's the key to any sort of successful side and it, you can see the halves are working together much better now and like you say, Latrell Mitchell's finally like finding his feet at fullback. I think there were such high expectations when he first went to the Bunnies and, and he sort of forced this move from centre where we were playing at the Roosters to going at fullback. and he just, while he was still good and he was still a presence there, he wasn't quite at his best but he just seems to be taking it from strength to strength really.
0: Do you prefer him at fullback, or would you rather see him in centre position?
1: It's difficult to say. I think I'm inclined to still say centre at the minute. um, But, you know, with the talent he's got and the the presence he's got, and people compare him to Greg English all the time. And obviously, English could play both. And I think if if Luttrell gets more game time at fullback, then there's no reason that he can't can't do the same and go on to be a, a top, top quality fullback.
0: I think if people were maybe kind of look at him from a different different perspective, he's never going to be a Billy Slater type fullback. Mm. He's probably not even going to be a, a James Tedesco type fullback. But if he really kind of carves that fullback position into his own, which he has been doing the past couple of weeks, I think he'll he'll be quite successful. It sounds daft, but I think for me, it probably if he wanted to be, he'd still be the best centre in the world. Yeah, he's unstoppable on his day. Um, yeah. And the one, six, seven, and nine combination had five line line breaks between them in this game. Which is outstanding for any team to have that. Never mind the spine.
1: Yeah, 100. I think I think that's what i They're all firing at the right time now, and they're all firing together, which is why they're sort of picking up these wins. Like they've absolutely just demolished the heels there, just completely brushed them aside. I and mean, it is all down to the spine. There's quality in there around that. You know, you've got strength on the wings, in the centres, and in the pack as well. But like I say, it's it's your spine that makes your team tick and it's all coming together just perfectly now.
0: I think one stat that summed up this game the most, Eden, was how dominant the Bunnies pack has been more recently with Liam Knight, Tom Burgess, uh, Kieran Matangi. And, you know, the Parameter Reels had 16 offloads overall. Eight of them offloads were Nathan Brown, Kane Evans and Sean Lane. So it almost showed that they maybe felt as though they couldn't break through this Rabbit's defence and then three dominant forwards had to, had to almost force eight offloads on their own.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's, you know, when, you, when you're taking a ball and you're not punching through, you sort of, you do look for the next best alternative. And sometimes that is to give, you know, a short, quick offload and hopefully get a break from there. But it just it just didn't seem to happen for them. I think the the defence from, from the Bunnies was spot on. Um, even the scramble, when, when they were trying to get those offloads away, the, the Bunnies just seemed to be there and, you know, the Eels just couldn't do it.
0: I mean, the Bunnies had 19 missed tackles all game, which is brilliant stats. And I know it's, it's probably not playoff or, or grand final type stats, but 19 missed tackles against the Parramatta Reels, when they've got players like Mark Cassivo, Clint Gutherson, Mitchell Moses, who, who love to use the space in the field. It is excellent. Mm. And now I use the offload stat, not in a negative sense, but in a positive sense too. It's great that they're looking for these offloads, but it does give a perspective that the feelers of the cab break through this line. I mean, you look at the two coaches, Eden, Wayne Bennett's been there and done it so many different times, won the grand final with, with numerous different clubs. I think his experience at the minute is, is, is shining through with, with players like Adam Reynolds, is coming into the playoff in, in like, a, like a steam train. Brad Arthur in his six years in, in the professional game has only reached the playoffs twice. Do you think when it comes to the back end of the season, the coaching experience really comes into it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, that counts for a lot. Like you say, it's, it's, it's now that these players are shining for the Bunnies and it's, it is towards the end of the season. If there's a time that you want to hit form, it's now going into the playoffs. You know, if, you, if, you've got, if you've been piling the points on early doors and then you sort of limp home, making that top eight or top four, then it's very rare that, that teams are going to really, really cause damage in the playoffs. And I think the Bunnies are doing it at, at the right time.
0: It's very exciting as well because at the minute we'll go into it later on. The Newcastle Knights will be out of form. Cronulla Sharks are up and down in mm. that kind of bottom four in the top eight. The Bunnies are looking really positive, and you could maybe see them reaching a prelim final or something. It's it's very exciting. You know, 70% completion, 525 run metres less than the Bunnies, and 41 missed tackles is really poor form from the Parramatta Eels, and and probably something you'd look at from a bottom of the table team.
1: Yeah, and I think you you've got to expect better from from the Eels. Like I say, when the when the firing, the the almost unplayable, especially with that pack. But it's just that those numbers just aren't, aren't good enough at this kind of level to be beating beating sides like that. And well, like we said, just then going into the playoffs, they sort of they seem to be limping home a bit and it don't bode well for them at all.
0: Yeah, they'll reach there, won't they? They'll get in the playoffs. They might even yeah. they might even stay in the top four, but. You know, it could be a back-to-back loss and straight out on this form, but we'll see how they go. Just a quick mention, we've mentioned it every week for the past couple of weeks, Blake Ferguson is actually now the second longest tryless winger in the NRL history in terms of consecutive games. I think he's gone 14 or 15 games now without a try. And I think the top top of that is someone who got a 17 or 18 games. So there is a possibility he might break that. Is, is that affecting? Do you think, or is it someone like Blake Ferguson who is just happy to get on the field and play a bit of rugby? Yeah, I think I think you're probably looking
1: at both. And there's so much more to Blake Ferguson's game than scoring tries. But ultimately, you want tries from your wingers, and that's you know they're the ones that you sort of look to to be scoring. So. Has Brad has got a decision to make or, or is he just, does he just stick to it? It's, it's difficult to so. say.
0: Interesting game. Good game. And I think them two teams will be firmly in the playoffs and potentially playing each other in the second week of the playoffs if they both come through. So I think it'll be very interesting to look back in the next couple of weeks. Two teams who are most likely not going to be in the playoffs. either. So Eden, St. George, Illawarra, Dragons, 10, Gold Coast, Titans, 14. Mathematically, the Dragons can still make the playoffs, but it's looking very unlikely after this loss. Very slow starting game. It was only 2-0 at half time, which is very unlikely for an NRL-based game. But the defence really, really saw them through, did the Titans?
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, 2-0 half time, No tries in the first half. And it's, you sort of look at, you do look at the defence to say, wow, you know, must, must have been great defence to keep them scoreless. But I think it was partly that. And I think partly there was, the attack was sort of lacking from both sides as well. I think Titans had the better of the first half. Um but they just weren't really clinical enough early on and they looked a little bit clueless on the last tackle plays. But yeah, the, the defence were brilliant. And to be honest, the, the dragons, the dragon I know they were held up a couple of times, but they never really looked like bothering them that much. Um which you don't usually say about the dragons, you know, you've seen the the quality, especially in the bats, and there's so much sort of attacking prowess there that you, you do expect more.
0: Yeah, and I think the past couple of weeks you mentioned about the Titans. You know, the forwards really stepping up. Kevin Proctor, Fotoarka, um, and the sorts. And Tyrone Peachy actually stepped up a lot more this week than, than previous weeks. But someone in the backs who's really been standing out for you, especially is Jamal Fogarty.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a weird one with, uh, with Fogarty. He's a really late bloomer. You know, he was playing in the Queensland Cup and he's coming to the Titans' side. And he, he seems to be sort of... He seems to have transformed them a little bit. Not I know they've still not really been picking up the wins, but the performances have been a lot better and he's he's kind of linking up a little bit with with Ash Taylor in the halves as well, which you know that bodes well for the Titans. But it seems fitting that he that Jamar scored the winning try as well. Um I think that was a nice moment for him. Obviously he's been given the captaincy since uh Kevin Proctor got suspended. Um so to lead them out to to get over the line and for him to Score that four-pointer to to see at home. I think it's it's really nice for him.
0: What do you think it means to be a late bloomer, mate? Because obviously there's there's a big difference between the cutoff age and the NRL. You can only play where you're 18 or over. Mm. I think some players maybe come through 18 as wonder kids and don't make it, and they need a bit more time in the in the youth systems and and Queensland cups and such. You know, he's he's had eight years essentially outside of the NRL. Yeah. Of sorts.
1: yeah, I think so. I think. It it's easy once once you do make that that your debut and you're you sort of coming into the NRL side, it's such a big thing. And then you do see so many drop off, but they'll either drop off and go come over to the Super League, um or they'll drop off and go down into the Queensland Cup and, and the the likes of those competitions. And there's so often that once they do that they're just sort of forgotten about by the NRL and they don't they're not making that impression in there to sort of fight the way back. So it is nice to see the likes of Jamal Fogarty doing it. And, you know, Reece Martin did it as well last, uh, last year, obviously before he was, he's moved to the Rhinos. Um, and, you know, you can get some great players from there. Um, so I think, I think it would be nice for the teams to look into that pool a little bit more. Um, but, you know, they know what they're doing better than I do.
0: I suppose it's difficult because there isn't any such pool at the minute because there's only the top grade of rugby league playing with, with mm. restrictions and stuff. And not everybody's going to be a Nathan Cleary coming through at 18, wrecking records and scoring tries. So it's nice to see these Jamal Foggies coming through at 26, 27 and proving that it can be done. Um, it's nice to see a bit of stability with the Titans, actually. And I think over the next couple of years, Justin Holbrook is signed on until 2024 for more seasons. It's looking positive for them.
1: Yeah, that's great. You know, he's the, the, the sticking with Justin Holbrook, I think he's a very, very talented coach. We've seen him do it at Saints. We've seen him do it at at the youth levels um, at the other NRL sides and you know they've got some they've got some great quality there in the side now but look at the players that they're signing for the future as well coming in next season the other players that they're rumoured with and really really exciting times from a a team who've not really been been at the races for for a number of years now it's kind of like a Newcastle Knights style revival in the sense that you know when the Knights bought the likes of Pierce and Ponga and the Titans are doing similar things you know Bringing, bringing in players to build on a, a side that they've already got. But, yeah, like you say, the consistency with Justin Holbrook as head coach, I think I think that'll go a long way as well. You can't be chopping and changing constantly, and and it's good for him to be sticking about.
0: Almost a, a lack, almost the opposite, actually, for the St George Illawarra Dragons. Obviously, Paul McGregor's stepped down recently, and Dean Young's taken over. and, and it, They've kind of been off form, really, haven't they? They were on some really good form coming into the back end, and, and, and they haven't really started performing under Dean Young.
1: No, it's it's a weird one because you, you do see teams in in the well across across rugby league and all sports really when when the coach leaves, it sort of sometimes get a bit of a resurgence and it's kind of a right. We're going to take the ball by the horns. We can prove that we do. You know, we can do this. Uh, but the Dragons just seem to sort of capitulate a bit. And whether that's whether that's down to McGregor leaving, only they know really. And it, you, you saw you saw how emotional the side were when when it was McGregor's last game and. And how much they, he meant to all of them. So whether that's having a negative effect now that he's gone, I don't know. But Dean Young certainly wasn't happy after this game. Um, you know, he said, they had, he said they had a three-step plan before the game. That was to limit A.J. Brimson's impact, defend kicks and keep a connected defensive line. But look at the last two tries there and you can see why he's fuming. You know, we saw a kick assist and an A.J. Brimson line break, which led to the, you know, the last two tries in those last seven minutes.
0: Quick work quick word on a uh, Block Laurie as well, mate. Blake Laurie has been outstanding, has not points the past couple of weeks?
1: Oh, hundred percent. I know, I know you talk about him a lot on this podcast and um yeah, it's easy to see why he's, he's an absolutely phenomenal player and he's he's kind of to do it in a side who are who are out of sorts and who are out of form is he's all the more impressive. You know, that's why you've looked at I know we'll come on to it later, but the likes of um, Carrigan and Payne Haas at the Broncos where where the Broncos aren't firing, but they're still they're still doing their job. It's easy to play well in a team that's winning, it's not easy to play well in a team that's losing and I think that's that's testament to him, it really is.
0: Like a young Eden Harris.
1: <laughs> yeah, something like that.
0: <laughs> I think uh, looking at games in, this, in the NRL this weekend, that seems to be most predictable. I think everyone would have put this down. Sydney Roosters 58, the Brisbane Broncos 12. Expected result, Brisbane need this final whistle in the last game of the season more than anything, don't they, at the minute?
1: They do, mate, yeah. And, you know, if, if before that game you'd have said, Russell will score Lord Brisbane won, and Morris will score, you will have said, yeah, that sounds about right. And, you know, that's exactly what happened. It was, it was kind of, it, I don't think it surprised anyone, this result.
0: James Tedesco, mate, absolutely mesmerising. You've gone through him briefly with the uh, play of the week, but mm-hmm. what a performance.
1: Just absolutely unstoppable. When he's on form like that, he's, he just cannot defend against it. He's always there and just zipping about the pitch, making himself available and just, honestly, so much so much punch when he does get the ball. And, but defensively sound as well, you know, he, he never looks phased by anything. Never.
0: I mean, looking at his stats from the game, they're almost just like a dream world. He got one try, one line break, five try assists, 12 tackle breaks and 4 line breaks if your team got them stats you'd be more than happy never mind one player in a 58 defeat out of this world best player in the world on this on his day best player for Australia Queensland you know just sorry New South Wales actually sorry not Queensland that's <laughs> <laughs> some
1: complaints then if you didn't correct
0: yourself <laughs> I, I had Queensland in my head because the next guy we we're going to come to you know Jed or Joss I can't remember which one said that patrick carrigan's got the 13 spot locked down for queensland another brilliant performance easily the best player again for brisbane easily the best player for them this season and he could easily be the best 13 in the league this season too couldn't he
1: yeah 100% he's like i say he's doing it in a losing side as well now can you imagine what what kind of numbers he'd be churning out if brisbane could string some wins together he's yeah. he's just Unbelievable, and you know, again, I don't, I don't know his contract situation. I don't know if he's tied down there or if he'll be, if he'll be wanting to jump ship. But just keep doing what he's doing, and he will, he will reap the rewards on on rec level as well. Hundred percent.
0: I think it's nice about Patrick Carrigan because he's one of the few players you don't hear about contract situations, being being unsettled, going out and breaking COVID rules. You don't no. hear a thing from him all week. It turns up on a Thursday or Friday whenever they're playing. Hits 200 metres, it's about 40 tackles, scores a try here and there, try assist maybe, picks up another match for Brisbane at the end of the game and then goes again next week. He's been, been outstanding. Week, it? Outstanding performance. Yeah. He's easily been their player of the season. You know, along with obviously like Payne, Haas, Katoni Stagg's stags Farnwick be yeah. when stepped up. But really impressive and an absolutely fair play to him. And I really hope he gets some rep rewards next uh, or back end of this year. Me too. But ultimately as well, mate. It was men against boys, won it really. You know, 500 metres ran more by the Roosters. 44 more runs. Eight Roosters players, eight different Roosters players actually had an individual line break, which which just says more than more than enough, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. And, and whether that whether that says more about the Roosters attack or the Brisbane defence, I don't know. But but I... Brisbane awful at the minute, and he's. The defense, you can see, it's sort of like a lack of effort, which you never usually say about teams that, even even out of form, and you know you sort of say oh, they're not getting the bug of the green, but it just it's sort of you watch them watch them defend, and and there was a couple of line breaks as well where players just stopped and looked, and it, they've completely given up hope. You know they've already got the mind off the on the off season and and that flight over to wherever they're going for for a break.
0: I think it's a thing that Brisbane. I've never finished bottom. You'd think mm. they do every. I mean, fair enough. You're up against the Roosters; it's always going to be tough. But you'd think they do everything in the power, a bit like the Bulldogs are doing at the minute, to not finish bottom.
1: Yeah, and it's embarrassment bottom. as well. It's, it's you know, no disrespect to the Bulldogs, but they're not the Brisbane Broncos. The Broncos are a worldwide brand, and for them to finish bottom, it's so embarrassing for them, especially with, with the support. I know. I know you spent some time out in Brisbane, and I remember you telling me that it's just absolutely rugby league crazy so for a a place like that it must be it must be awful for for the players the squad the staff
0: and the fans as well it's essentially it is a bit like liverpool finishing bottom at premier league Mm. it's it's just a city driven by rugby league suncorp stadium is bang in the middle of the city everyone around it obviously they've got the cowboys and the titans but in in like geographical state it's actually nowhere near Brisbane so Brisbane obviously state of origin Queensland it's huge easily the biggest turnover in rugby league in terms of revenue and merchandise sales they are the biggest club in rugby league and it's 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 unbelievable what's happening at the minute and I think like you said the, the Bulldogs were kind of expected to be bottom two bottom three this year but the, the Broncos were kind of tipped to be pushing top eight maybe top six and it's Every single week you see it in the media, you see it on the pitch. For us, for us who, who who love and watch our rugby league, it's mind blowing, isn't it? Almost like a St. Ellen's being bottom of the table or something.
1: Yeah, without a doubt, it's it's just so unexpected. But you know, you've you mentioned some of the players there. They've got quality in the side. Katoni Stags is a fantastic player. You know, farmers like St. Carrigan Haas. They've got they've got the foundations there. And I know these are these are young players that we're talking about. But you've got you've Got to look at the your more seasoned pros and your more experienced pros and say, you know, where are you in all this? Where are you in all this? And why why aren't you firing and doing the jobs that these kids are doing?
0: Definitely, man. I think what's the even scarier thing is that the Sydney Roosters aren't even full strength yet. They're slowly dripping all these injured players back in and they will definitely be full strength by the time they come back come to the playoffs. I had a look at an actual age-related stat this week, and the Morris twins, who turned 34 last week, are the tied eighth oldest players in the league, and they've got 19 tries between them this season. Like a fine wine, as everybody keeps saying. But with age, mate, it's it's disgusting how good they are, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah, because especially in them positions, you know, you can expect expect a forward to be to be playing on up to that age, and you know, still doing it, but. In the centre and the wing of positions, you rely so much on pace and they just don't look like slowing down at all. And, you know, you, you would expect that at, at 34, you know, you, you do expect your backs to sort of either move inside a little bit so they can prolong the career or, or slow down and, again, come over to Super League, drop down or, or something like that. But they are, they are showing no signs of that at all. Just sublime. Absolutely sublime.
0: A team that has been sublime in the past couple of weeks, mate. New Zealand Warriors 36 against the new Castle Knights 6. Mm. You know, I saw some people say it were an upset, but I think this was probably seen as a bit more of an even contest and the Warriors just blew them out of the water, didn't they?
1: They did, yeah. I think it, it was unexpected in that sense that it was so one-sided. Um, but I think, I think to write off the Warriors for this game would have, would have been a little bit naive. I know that's easy to say with hindsight now, but... It's just great to see them rewarded. You know, they've they've conducted themselves so well through all this, the COVID crisis. Um, Even like to play at Scully Park to give something back to to the people of Tamworth where obviously the team have been based throughout all this. Just a great move. And it shows that there's a real, that the culture there is absolutely spot on at that
0: club. How amazing would it be if they reached playoff football, mate? I know because the Sharks obviously picked up a win. The, Mm. the, The gaps opened up a bit, but it would be a Cinderella story, wouldn't it, even if they just made the top eight?
1: It would, yeah, and I think everyone would be happy, apart from the team who missed out, obviously. But you know, it's I think, like I say, the way they have conducted themselves, they've they've got everybody's respect, and I think there are a lot of people's second team this year. Uh, It it is nice to see them rewarded with this win, and it'd be nice to see them kick on from it as well, especially with the players that they're missing as well. But they've got they've got the likes of Adam Pompey stepping up in in, into those into those gaps where where they've lost like Mamalo and and other players like that, and. They just keep churning through the talent and, like I say, the culture is right there and they're playing for each other, they're playing for the shirt and it's great to see.
0: Todd Payton's really making a good a good base for Nathan Brown and Phil Gould coming in next year, isn't he, mate? But you, you especially love that right side.
1: I do, yeah. Um, and, it, you know, with the with Hiku and Pompey, absolutely devastating. Pompey's second try came off the back of three repeat sets as well, you know, so they're grinding them down and they're shifting it out to the right and it's just... You've seen the quality of Peter Hicko there. Peter Flicker, we should call him from now on. <laughs> I know you saw that on the prep sheet. I liked it. Um, yeah. I, seen it it. <laughs> um, I thought. Well, I had more strike than a bowling alley on my last appearance here, so I thought I, thought I had to. Uh, thought I had to do something similar. Um, but yeah, look, they, they were absolutely incredible. It's just so much, so much quality there. And again, like I say, Pompey is. He's not one of the stars of the show, really. He does, he does sort of go unnoticed against, against the likes of two of Arsashek and the, the players that they've got in there, but he's doing his job and he's doing it really well.
0: Definitely, mate. The stats speak for themselves in this game. The Warriors had 64% possession, which mm. is unspeakable, and it's only really been doubled this year by the, the Bunnies against Manly last week. Very, very unlikely you'll break more than a kind of 55-45 split in an NRL game. 89% mm. completion and actually once again broke over 2,000 run metres for a team. And, and it's just exceptional the way that they're performing at the minute and the kind of breaking barriers. And like you say, the very culture of the club is driving them through. One bloke who's really stepped up since Blake Green's left them and actually, incidentally, has joined the Newcastle Knights, obviously didn't play in this game because of injury, is uh, your stepbrother, Chanel Harris-Tavita. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can
1: see similarities with that with play as well, yeah, with me and our Chanel. Um <laughs> no, yeah, look, he's he's been fantastic and he did have he did have big boots to fill when Blake Green left, but it's it's his organisation, you know. Dean Payton spoke about it um after the game, but if you watch him, especially with, with uh lower capacity crowds now, you can hear it as well when you're watching the game, he's just barking orders constantly and he's so vocal. Like to come into the into a side like as a halfback as well at this age and telling these seasoned pros where to go, what to do. I think it's testament to his character. It really is because it's a lot of being intimidated by that and and the idea of doing that. But he's clearly got the respect to the side as well. And it's not just that when he's got the ball in hand, he's, he's absolutely magic at times. He really is brilliant. And it, but that allows the likes of Shek to play his game as well. You know, off off the the Harris tavita plays and the, there was actually nineteen offloads for the Warriors and compared to that, uh, just three for the Knights. And that's that's ridiculous but that's that's the support player from from two of that allows that to happen and his pace and ability just makes it so effective and it's so hard to defend against you know you'd much rather defend against a, a very good rigid structured attack than a team who are very good you know playing off the cuff because you just can't read it you just can't predict what they're going to do next and you know we saw we saw him his skinned uh, mitchell pierce twice for, for his tries and again that that does come off Harris Tevita's play and um, it just lets him do it.
0: Yeah, they've got a really good link. I think obviously Harris Tevita had a few games last year when they were lacking in the halfbacks and something yeah. that always stands out for me, I always speak about it, but he can kick and I think a guy who can kick on target for a conversion is, is worth his weight in gold and I think he'll, he, you know, if it, if it looks like it, he'll be uh, the Warriors halfback for a lot of years and, and, think, and looking at that 19 offloads, I mean, stats like that haven't been seen since I stopped playing. So, um <laughs>
1: Well, you you fudging numbers, you mean.
0: (laughs) So, I mean, mean, classic Warriors, really. You expect a high percentage turnover and a high offload statistics, but really good to see. And and their last four games, what they'll be really focusing on this year to kind of try and get into the playoffs. They've got the Eels next week, which could be a brilliant game. You know, the Eels are kind of wanting to have a better result after their 38-0 loss, and I think I'll be tipping the Warriors for that. They've then got the Sharks, which could be a, a brilliant eighth against ninth game. They've got the Raiders after that, who could be trying to get into the top four. And then they've got the Manly Manly Warringah Seagulls, the last game of the season. They could be packing the bags and on the bus home already. So, very, very small chance, I think, the Warriors could make it. And, and you know, the game against the Sharks in two weeks' time will be will be must-watch TV. That'll be brilliant, and I'm... I really hope they do it. I I think they've got more of a chance than my boys anyway, the Tigers. So, fingers crossed, hopefully they can do it. Be brilliant. But speaking about that team that we've uh, just spoke about with the Cronulla Sharks, the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, 28, North Queensland Cowboys, 12. If Jed Damos Goddard was with us, I would be laughing my backside off at another (laughs) loss for the Cowboys. Every single week we've had this podcast, they've lost, and I think that's maybe the ninth loss in a row, their worst form in their history. You know, obviously, we take the Jed a bit, but the Cowboys are a, a bit of a home favourite. Obviously, Jonathan Thurston, Jason Tamalolo coming through there. Um, but these two squads at the minute are kind of both trying to build through youngsters and, and a few rookies, and it only seems to be working for the Sharks. You know, you look at Talakai, you look at Will Kennedy, Mulitalo, Katoa, Britton Nakora, Hamlin Ueli, who I know are a bit more uh, seasoned, but Toby Rudolph, Royce Hunt. I mean, you compare them to the the Cowboys of kind of like Mitch Dunn, Ruben Cotter, and it's just not working for the Cowboys, and I don't really know why. And I think Jen will give us a bit more light on that. The sixty-eight percent completion, which is horrendous stats, what you'd be looking at from amateur rugby league. Forty-four missed tackles, and as many errors as well. Some really poor errors from them. Just just awful stats from the Cowboys and very similar to the Brisbane Broncos. They feel like they're on their holidays already.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think that's, it is sort of, it, it seems that they've just sort of drawn a line under this season, which you should do, but not yet. Wait until the season's actually finished and it's it is sort of, oh, we'll go out, we'll play, pick up his money and, you know, we go again next year, which you can't do because you're going to end up getting pastings and. No, that's that's what keeps happening, and, you know, like you say, you've, is this the eighth week you've been doing the podcast? And the Cowboys have not won one. You know, like I said, I've been laughing at Jed here, but you've got a feel for the for the Cowboys fans.
0: Definitely, and, and I think twenty eight twelve almost makes it look slightly a bit competitive. But mm. the Cowboys' two tries came in the fifth minute and the seventy seventh minute. When arguably there's nothing to play for, you've just started the game, and you're just finishing the game. There's there's nothing in between. Michael mm. Morgan linked off again. Yeah, he, he really seems to be feeling the pressure specifically, he's come off with a calf injury and the Cowboys have, have not really made any formal announcement yet, but he could be gone for the season, along with Jason Tamalolo and uh, Reese Robson, the, these youngsters are coming through for Cronulla Sharks and, and kind of shining when the, the more key players are out, Sean Johnson and Chad Townsend for example, you know, Tracy and Trindle, who played in the half-backs, half-back position six and seven, they almost look like they've been playing together for ten years. They, they, they performed really well, didn't they?
1: Yeah, and I think it's especially difficult as a half where you're supposed to be, you know, you're meant to control the game, control the tempo, your side. Now, to come in with two new halves because your two first-choice halves are out injured, that's you kind of you look at that and you think, oh, that, that's not good. That's not good at all, but they've, they've stepped up and, like you say, they look like they've been playing together for 10 years and they, they didn't miss Johnson and Townsend. And that, that's a big thing to say. They did not miss them at all. I know, I know. obviously, they've got the win, but just a fantastic performance. And so they look so accomplished. They look like seasoned pros and experienced and they were just flowing off each other. It, it, it was really good to see and that's exciting for Sharks.
0: Very much so. And and looking at the opposite side, both wingers, Ronaldo Muletalo and Sione Katoa, have been really, really impressive this year. I think both in the third season, respectively. muletalo has got six tries and averages 114 metres a game. Katoa's got 14 tries and 139 metres per game. Katoa's right up there with the top try scorers in the league. I mean, something when, when you're kind of struggling... With seasoned veterans, obviously Fafita's been injured most of the season, Aaron Woods has been trying to perform on his own Wade Graham has been performing well. Two wingers, two lightning quick wingers can can get you a lot of tries like that. Twenty tries between them. It's it's really positive for a club like the Cronulla Sharks, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. It's it's you know the forwards lay you lay your foundations and do the, do that graph, but you need the quality on the edges to finish those tries and that's that's exactly what they've got. But the those wings are bringing a lot more to the game than just sort of you know putting a ball down, and the the making the metres, is the getting the Sharks up the field and you know that's, it takes it takes a little bit of heat off the pack um if you can rely on your backs for a set to get you out of trouble um you know you sort of recuperate some energy and go again and the better for it in the long run over the course of the game the the consistent that it's not they don't seem to tire um and they just keep going and going and going and grinding teams down.
0: Seeing how tough it is for the North Queensland Cowboys recently, Josh Maguire seems to be stepping up a bit more, even if he's trying to do the majority on his own. Probably one of the only blokes who's going to stand up against Patrick Carrigan for that 13 spot in the Queensland side. I've actually written down here that he's made 169 tackles, but I assume I must be in 169 metres. <laughs> what a stint. If, if he's made 169 <laughs> tackles, then he deserves 13 in every club in the world. Um, I think 169 metres and, uh, and 37 tackles, really trying to step up and, and make some sort of something of that 30 position that Tamalolo has left out and trying to cover for, for kind of underperformers like Cohen S and Jordan McLean.
1: Yeah, I think he's, he's leading the way, he's leading by example there, but you, you have got to look at the lives of Cohen S and Jordan McLean for, for more. You know, Jordan McLean's come in on, on big money as as a, a star, really, in the pack and he's just not really doing it. He's not... the, the the, the percentage of the salary cap that it'll be taking up as well. You you know, I know it's not all about money, but you want more from one of those players that, that's earning the big money and you look at Josh Maguire and what again, what why is Jordan McLean not doing those kinds of shifts? Is it I don't know, it's, it's big problems there. Big problems.
0: I mean he came in as an Australian international and you look at someone like Cohen Hess who's played Origin in the past and came through as a Barnstorm in second row at eighteen. This game alone, I'm not sure how many minutes he played, but he started second row, he made forty-two metres. I mean, what? that's just not good enough for an NRL player, never mind a player who who should be seen as a really good up and coming second row. I say up and coming, I think it must be his third or fourth season now. Yeah. He should be leading the way alongside Tamalolo and this Cowboys team. And I'm sure if JD Moskodag would be would be um would be with us today, he would be really disappointed in that as well. Um not looking good for the Cowboys, Kunela Sharks. Pushing for that playoff spot, a really exciting game with the Warriors in two weeks' time too. Um, Talking about teams that are a bit disappointing, the West Tigers, 6, Penrith, Panthers, 30. Our two teams, Eden, up against each other, as well as they are in Super League next week when Leeds Rhinos take on Wakefield Trinity. Mm -hmm. Probably most likely the same result too. Um, Smiles for you boys and frowns for the Tigers and the fans. 11 wins in a row now, looking perfect, isn't it, for you boys at the minute?
1: Yeah, we just don't really look like stopping. It's but when I saw the team sheets for this and there was no chorus out no kick out, I was kind of thinking, you know, are we gonna have that fluidity and attack? Is the pack gonna be able to to have as much punch? But you know, the the players that stepped in stepped up as well. But the Tigers started well. I think they started really well with the um the, the try-off, the Benji Marshall kick, obviously breaking that uh, breaking that Panthers record and not conceding in the first twenty. Um, but the defence were good as well, and we didn't really look like we had a way through. But you know, Mitch Kenny stepped up in that nine role and controlled the rook really well. Um, and you know, it came again just as a result of sorting, sort of grinding you down. And you know, that, that's two of your best performers there that that you're missing in the pack. And to have those, to have the players step in. I know, I know, Liam Martin um, has already been playing, but he stepped up as well. Um, taking on sort of more of it now that Kikau's not there like I say Mitch Kennedy did well in the absence of Coruscant. Um but yeah the, I thought it was really good and it's, it's nice to sort of when you lose players and you know that you've got your backups are good enough to beat sides and beat them com- like comfortably it's good signs for us it really is I know you'll uh, you'll have something to say about beating teams comfortably but go on <laughs> no no, no. <laughs>
0: I was <laughs> actually going to say about Tyrone May. He was the one that filled in for Billy Army Yeah, I know. Usually he's played a lot of centre, but he's used to put on a lot of size. Mm. In the off time in the NRL, and, and, and it's nice to see that he can bring through someone like that, and he filled in perfectly.
1: Well, um, Ivan Cleary said after the game that um, it, you know he's, he's played five different positions this year as Tyrone May, and none of them his favourite one. Um, so you know that is, when yeah. you've got that kind of versatility, and like you say, he's putting on the size, it, it can do a job.
0: Definitely, and, and speaking of players who can do a job, mate, Jerome Luai, mm. he, he's kind of outshined by Nathan Cleary, who's kind of the poster boy of Rugby League at the minute in the NRL. But he's, he's kind of the yin to, to Cleary's yang, isn't he? He, he? suits him perfectly, and they've been playing together for a lot of years, since they are about 14. Mm. And, and, and they just complement each other so well.
1: Yeah, look, Nathan Cleary wouldn't have had the season he'd have had without having another good half next to him. It's, it's very rare that you'll have one half performing and the other not. And I think Luai, Luai allows Cleary to, to play, but Cleary's quality, and like I say, he's the poster boy and everyone's looking at him. It takes a bit of the heat off Luai and it just that lets him play. It's so dangerous with his running game and he got another try and a try assist to show for it, but his, his general players link up play with Cleary shifting the ball wide, he's, he's, he's got a job to do and he does it so, so well. I know that you, you love the phrase going under the radar on this podcast, but he absolutely defines it. And, you know, whether that is because he's next to Cleary, I'd think so. But Luai does his job, and that that's why he's he's there, and he, he's still doing it for top of the
0: table side. Yeah, uh, we, we didn't actually say that until you've said it there, so you have ticked that box nicely, mate. Thank you. <laughs> um, but what do you think about the Matt Matt Burton like situation? Because obviously he's, he's a brilliant six come thirteen. In the youth system he's played a couple of games this year but he's just very unlikely to kind of get a starting spot and, and the Bulldogs have been sniffing around him from next season mm. Would you try and tempt him to play knowing that he's probably not going to get a starting spot or do you kind of let him go and and, and fly high in, in other teams
1: i think you've got a way up both sides of it now from the Panthers point of view i'm sure they want to keep him because like you say he's, he's a good player and he's filled in lovely when when Cleary and Luai have been missing, and, and he can play 13 as well. He's looked decent. He's certainly not looked out of place. But from his point of view, as a youngster, do you want to be playing behind Cleary and Luai and sort of learning? From, I know they're still young young players themselves, but sort of watching them, watching how they play and hoping to get hoping to get a shot, you know, if, if one of them's injured or when Cleary's missing for origin duty next season, for example. Um, or... Do you try and force your way in at 13? Or do you jump ship and, you know, where you? I'm sure the Bulldogs will be saying you will get game time and guaranteeing game time. Um, decision to make there and I'm, I'm you know, it, it depends what he wants to do. I nearly said um, I don't envy his decision there, but I absolutely do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think it's interesting now that the Bulldogs have signed Blake Green for next year. He, he, he could end up going there and end up fighting for his spot once again. So it's, it's definitely an interesting... Conundrum to have. Mm. Two players who stood out for us, boys. I mean, I won't go on. I, I, I say every single week we don't perform for the full here. We don't have enough consistency. Maybe the Marshall's maybe lacking a bit too much, but I, I mean, I could say that every single week and I, I'll stick to the positives. David Nofaluma every single week, arguably maybe the most on-form winger in the league with Sione Brett Morris and the like. Yeah. I think he'll be up there for the Dalian Medal of, of Winger of the Year. But Someone who's, who, for me personally, as a Tigers fan, I haven't been massively impressive with until more recently is Adam Dewey at fullback, and especially mm. his defence. I think earlier on in the season, his defence was probably quite embarrassing for a fullback, but he's really coming into his own, isn't he, a bit? Yeah,
1: well, me and you were talking over WhatsApp while this game was going on, and you know, you said, "Where, where has this defence come from?" It is like it looks like a different player, and. That first half was probably as good as I've seen him play. Like I said earlier, you know, the Tigers had me worried and the defence was solid, but he's he was so key to that as well. I think there was it was quite clear that there was a game plan from the Panthers to get in his head and disrupt him. This game was always going to be fiery with the with the Ivan Cleary stuff going on, but it, it was it was like a, a bit of niggle for him. You saw it with Brent Naden, I think it was early on, who gave him, you know, he's got the arm in the face and and stuff like that, but he, he seemed to sort of thrive under that pressure even more early on. So assured under the high ball, solid defensively, dangerous going forward. But it, right up until that pass that he gave, short, um, and then obviously the Sim being a, a tackle or two later, he had a quiet second half after that. Whether that got in his head, but I don't know. I think that that's true of the Tigers all the way across the park. That I think the second half to the first half, it looked like two different sides.
0: Two one-word answers for this one, mate. Have, have you got the minor premiership in the bag? Yes. Will you win the grand final and the premiership? Uh, no. Woohoo! Lovely. <laughs> <stuff. We're laughs> I, think the, right I think
1: the minor premiership. There's, there's, you know, there's eight points left to play for. Melbourne won't let up, and anything can happen in rugby league. But looking at that remaining four fixtures. I'm very confident of getting six points, which would see us home. You know, we're three three above Melbourne at the minute, but I'm actually quite the confident about. I think there's only the Eels that should be bothering us. Um, That'd be a great game, by the way. But you know, even they're out of sorts, and I think we've we've got we've got the form to sort of see us through that, and we're we're riding that wave. You've got that going into the playoffs. Um, I said no then, but I just think you know Melbourne have. Melbourne will cause problems there. You know, the, the likes of Smith, the experience they've got there, serial winners, they really are. And I think, I fear that that might, um, that might show in the end. I hope I'm wrong.
0: Very exciting stuff to come up to, mate. But, um, talking about that team, Melbourne Storm, 13, Manly, Manly, Warringah Seagull, 6. Two words that sum up the Melbourne Storm as a club and just everything. They're very professional, very diligent and this performance kind of summed them up, didn't it? Yeah, especially when you consider
1: the whole Cameron Smith saga, the the contract stuff. Everyone's talking about where Smith going to be playing next year. Is he going to be playing next year? Is he going to be taking on a coaching role? He's not bothered. Absolutely, just to, takes it all in his stride. Puts in a performance like like that. Um, just like you say, so professional. Get the job done, and then you know worry about that when he's not playing. Um, I know he's come out and said he wants to get it done asap. And again, I'm I'm sure that's so we can concentrate on seeing out this, this season with Melbourne and then kick on for next season wherever he is.
0: I think Manly seem to be on the same plane as uh, the Brisbane Broncos and North Queensland Cowboys over to Bali or something, because they've just been absolutely non-existent in the past couple of weeks, and the pace and power of that Melbourne left edge, really, it really impressed you, didn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. I think, you know, Melbourne scored six tries in between Olam and Addo Carr. That was they scored five of them, just so... So good, um, so much power, so much pace there, and you don't think of Olam as one of the the big Melbourne players with you know with the star-studded lineup like that. But when he starts running, you know, it he must be like trying to stop a train because he's so quick, like low center of gravity. It sort of, looks kind of like hunkered down when he's running, but try and stop him, honestly, you just cannot. And then, like say, what, if you do, then he'll just tip it onto Adelcar. You've no up, absolutely no hope.
0: He's a great figurehead for the png game as well he's, he's arguably one of the uh, most well-known png players now and, and during the broadcast i was watching the channel 9 coverage and joey johns was saying that he's not actually from port moresby he's actually from um kind of the foresty areas of png so he's actually come out of nowhere he's not even been playing in, in a city before he's kind of come out of nowhere now with his big name in melbourne and uh, you know, he's arguably one of the most on-form centres and we're playing uh, playoff rugby league and it's it's good for the game once again that these these smaller nations are having big players come through. Um, I mean, sp- speaking about big players coming through, Cameron Smith, Cameron Munster, Jerome Hughes all come back. Just too much for kind of a, a, di- a directionless Manly, really, weren't they?
1: Yeah, if you look, look at the contrast between the performance this week and last week when, when, you know, when they were missing those players, just so much more fluidity and attack the, so much more organisation and just devastating and you know it's it's timely return for this again just before the playoffs get get some more games under the belt as a, as a three as you spy with Pappenhausen out of the back and then you know take it from there That and that that's why I fear for um, the Panthers in, in the uh, in the playoffs I think Melbourne Melbourne will have too much with those three back obviously assuming that they're safer. Um but yeah there's look at look at that early um, Addo Car try when Cameron Smith brings out a dummy half and kicks and you heard the commentator say he's going for a 40-20. It wasn't. He'd seen, seen Addo Carr's run and he's gone for it and, you know, is there a nine in the game that'll do that with the ability and and if the if they can't? Is there a nine in the game with the sort of spine and the backbone to try that so early on? You know, it was 6-6. It was six, six, I think we they were about 20 minutes in. Second tackle, you know, it's not... It, it wasn't desperation play at all. It was measured and it was it was perfect from idea to execution.
0: Definitely, man. Uh, you, once again, looking at the stats of this game, the run metres, the line breaks, the average set distance were just incomparable, weren't they?
1: Yeah, look, Melbourne weren't far off doubling Manley's run, run metres. You know, 1,935 to 1,109. Seven line breaks to Manley's one. Average set distance was 44 metres compared to Manley's 29.2. You know, having more possessions are well and good, but when it, it, it ultimately it comes down to how you use it, um, and that's it's so so evident that Melbourne are using it so so well, They're so effective with the ball, and Manly just not really. Um, but they've got the Melbourne defense limits Manly as well. I, I, you know, Melbourne are great in defense, we know that, but you've got to be looking for more from Manly attack too. Um, but yeah.
0: I mean, I was looking for some positives out of the Manly game, and the back three of of Jake Trevojevic, Curtis Sirenin and Joel Thompson had a combined effort of 99 tackles, which is, you know, it's great goings for them, and them three have kind of been a shining light in in the Manly season this year, especially I really like the Sirenin brothers at Bailey over at uh, the Bunnies too. I mean, you know, you can put in a good defensive effort like that, but if no one else is standing up around you, it's going to be really tough, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. It's... You know, we spoke about it with the other sides. You know, you've got to have more than just a few players performing, and they are doing it. They are sort of leading the way. And you, we've look. You look at the injuries and stuff that they've got, but the players that are still out there, you've got. To, you've just got to want more
0: from them. I mean, it must be tough for you as well because you were a manly fan before Penrith. Ah, oh, come off it, <laughs> come off it. I had
1: one vest. <laughs>
0: Big time Manly fan was Eden Harris and then Penrith came good so he switched to them instead. So. I've heard some rubbish in my time and <laughs> that takes the lot. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, look, I mean, we spoke, I mean, Jed especially loves Ryan Pappenhausen. He's been brilliant this year but do you reckon he could push James Tedesco for the uh, Dalian fullback of the year?
1: Um, potentially, yeah. He's, you know, he's, he's the only one who looks like really bothering him um, for that. I think Tedesco will still win it but look, Pappenhausen was was incredible again and three try assists his support play is sublime whenever there's a break Pappenhausen's there it looks like there's two or three of them on the pitch at time he's just, just there constantly um, you've run out of things to say about him you really do he's just when you've got the spine like that and like we said we spoke about Smith Hughes Munster but you've got Pappenhausen playing on the edges and sort of bringing it all together he gets the ball he shifts it left to Adokar and all I and mean, you know, it's simple. It's simple. It sounds simple, but you can't. You can't defend against it. In, um, I think it, Craig Bellamy came out and said he's. It'd um, he's, be perfect for the 14 shirt for Origin. Um, it can play in a few different positions. Why not? Why not?
0: And he's rapid. If there's something he's his pace. and uh, pace and power especially is is very good at that. So it'll be interesting. And I never really thought of that, but that's definitely interesting from Craig Bellamy. Um, yeah. A couple of results this week that you just expected to go the same way. Roosters of the Broncos, Panthers of the Tigers and Storm over Manly. You did expect the next game to go the same way. Canberra Raiders 34 against Canterbury Backstown, Bulldogs 20. Yeah. But much like very you know, often performances this year, the Bulldogs have really have kept pushing, really trying to grit out some sort of performance. I know it's the fifth loss in a row now and they're sitting bottom of the ladder. Um, but they really don 't want that spoon, and you can see it over teams like Broncos and the Cowboys, but the Raiders' quality, especially in people like Jack White and and George Williams, really stood up, especially in that time period where the Bulldogs were actually leading twenty points to twelve um just after half time Jack White and popped up with two brilliant tries close to the line, and Tom Stalin as well at hooker who's been really impressing um the Raiders fans too I mean. Talk to me about Jack White and Eden. What what does he offer? You know, he play he can play Origin now as well for the New South Wales. Um, really good six and compliments George Williams at seven too.
1: Yes, yeah, see, I, I really liked White at fullback before he moved into six. And when, when you know people took, were talking about moving him into six, I was kind of scratching my head a bit and thinking, you know, if it's not not necessarily if it's not brought about fix it, but just I didn't really see the need for the move. Um, because he was he was performing there but shows how much I know He's gone from strength to strength there and he's partnering George Williams there um, in the halves and he, he really makes them tick and you know this is without Josh Hobson. and I know that they've got Starling covering in and he's he's doing a great job but yeah it's just, it just seems to bring them to life and they can make the ball sing he's just absolutely magic it really is
0: I think people have always used the example of Darren Lockyer going from one to six but I reckon in a couple of years' time, Jack White will be added to that conversation, especially if he manages to lead this Raiders side to another grand final and a potential Premiership. Looking at the, uh, the stats of this game, actually, the top five – sorry, the top ten uh, meter makers was a, a big split. There was five Raiders and five Bulldogs. They both had 80% com- completion. They both had very similar run and kick meters. But I think it was just the quality of the Canberra Raiders that, that shone through in the end, especially Tom Starling. We spoke about it in previous weeks. When Josh Hodson got injured, they were kind of maybe looking at Sevilla Hevili, who was going to fill in that number nine role. But Tom Starling's really come through. I've compared him to um, a Damian Cook-type hooker. Very short, very stocky. He's got that low centre of gravity. He loves a, a dummy-ass scoot. Can score tries, can make tries. Um, and I do like him, and I think he's a good long-term vision for their for their future hooking position. I mean, looking at 38 missed tackles from the Bulldogs compared to 11 from the Canberra Raiders. I mean, that's where it really shines through. That's the stat that stands up for me. Players like Josh Papali, Ryan Sutton, John Bateman are going to be taking advantage of that all day long. And a stat that, you know, really, really shone through for me. 19 tackle breaks from the Canberra Raiders forwards alone. I didn't even look at the Canberra Raiders' backs. Um, but a lot of these missed tackles seem to be coming through the middle, especially when you get a quick when you get a quick play of the ball from um, a Camber Raiders forward, and Tom Stalin can take advantage of that. You know, looking at these missed tackles and and, and uh, a broken line from the Bulldogs that these boys can um, kind of bust through. I mean, that's kind of why they're managing to score these tries off Jack White and such because the Bulldogs are just that tired in defence.
1: Yeah, when you when you've got to defend that much, then yeah, it, it does weigh you down, and like you said, the missed tackles are there, and it, it was even other than that, and that's it makes the difference, when you've got you know, 11, 11 missed tackles for the Raiders as well, should be sniffed at, that's, you know, that's a great great effort across the board, um, but yeah, the Bulldogs will be looking at that and thinking, you know, that's where they need to improve, and but like you said, the effort's there, it's not, they're not already on the beach, like, like the Broncos and the Cowboys, the effort's there, they really don't want that spoon, and You've got to think that something's sort of gonna click soon for the Bulldogs. You've got well, you've got hopes so for their sake, um, because it, it is it is sad to see them when they are sort of busting a gut as they are, and got really nothing to show for it. Um, which is it's weird to say, but I think I think again they're still they're still working, they're still trying, despite having ultimately nothing left to play for other than pride.
0: I'll tell you what, mate. Look at next week's fixtures. The Canterbury-Bankstown Bulldogs play the Gold Coast Titans. Mm-hmm. So that could—that that is a very winnable fixture. The Brisbane Broncos play Penrith Panthers. And the North Queensland Cowboys play the St. George Illawarra Dragons. So I think if if there's ever a week to get off the bottom of the table and, and, and get away from the wooden spoon, next week is that week for the Bulldogs. And I think if our is fine, I'd be uh, putting the red ring around next week's round 17 fixtures. Because... You know, Penrith Panthers could be breaking all sorts of records against Brisbane Broncos next week. Um, mm. Very much worrying for the Broncos fans. That that sums up our round sixteen NRL recap there. Um, just looking at round seventeen fixtures, and I've briefly mentioned it already. The Brisbane Broncos will be up against the Penrith Panthers in the Thursday night game. The Newcastle Knights against the Cronulla Sharks in a in a great playoff potential. Um, build up there the South Sydney Rabbits against the Melbourne Storm which once again a top 8 fixture which could be a great game the Canterbury Bankstown Bulldogs against the Gold Coast Titans with the Bulldogs trying to get off the bottom of the ladder the Manly Warringah Seagulls up against the West Tigers both teams really needing a win there and, and trying to kickstart something coming into the back end of the season the Canberra Raiders against the Sydney Roosters which once again is another top 8 fixture could be a very exciting game now, and I, 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 off the top of my head now I want, I want, I'm not sure who's going to win that one Mm -hmm. New Zealand Warriors against the Parramatta Reels which once again could be a very exciting game and then the North Queensland Cowboys up against the St George Illawarra Dragons I won't say that they're going to lose this week it's in Queensland the Dragons have been on some poor form and I think if the Cowboys are going to win a game they're going to to look at that as well Um, Round 17 looking very competitive Apart from maybe Penrith against Brisbane. Um, But looking at the ladder, Penrith at the top of the table, 29 points. Three points clear of Melbourne in second. Parramatta third on 24. Roosters fourth on 22, joined by Canberra. Fifth on 22. Closely followed by the Rabbits, Six on 20. Newcastle seventh on 19. And the Cronulla Sutherland Sharks on 18. The bottom eight, then the New Zealand Warriors, four points behind on fourteen. The Dragons on 12, Tigers on 12, Manly on 12, Titans on 10, the Cowboys on 6, Broncos on 6, and the Bulldogs at the bottom of the ladder on 4. Looking very closely at this, if the Bulldogs do win next week and end up on 6 points for the Cowboys and the Broncos, the Bulldogs have minus 174 points difference against the Broncos, minus 301. So if everyone's expecting the Penrith Panthers to put on a, a big display against them, the Bulldogs are already laughing at the points difference. All they need is a win there.
1: Well, then, Jamie, will they get
0: it? I, I don't think Bulldogs will finish bottom. I do at all. I'm not sure whether they'll beat the Titans. A couple of weeks ago, I would have said so, but the, the Titans have looked really positive in the past couple of weeks. Mm. And especially with the forward pack. And is Proctor back? I think Proctor's still still got a couple more weeks, actually, aren't yeah. they? Yeah. Where Fogg is playing, and now they've got that stability with Justin Albrook. I'll I'll say yeah yeah you know what I think the Bulldogs will beat the Titans next week the Broncos don't stand a chance against the Penrith Panthers you can put my car on it if you wish I don't stand I don't think they stand any chance at all um, and I think the Bulldogs will finish bottom yes very much so looking very briefly at the Super League this week there were five games um, on the 29th of August a couple of days ago the Wigan Warriors 30 against the Casper Tigers 22. Your boys, the Leeds Rhinos, put in a very confident performance as they beat the Salford Red Devils by fifty points to twelve. Um, Hull KR put up a confident performance up against St Helens eighteen to thirty-two. Huddersfield Giants losing a surprising game against Hull FC 31-12. Great performance for Andy Last and his boys. And then once again, um, Warrington Wolves thirty-six Wakefield Trinity nil. It's the first time since nineteen forty-six that Wakefield have been nilled in consecutive league games. Um, worrying times for me as a Wakefield fan. Very lucky that there's no relegation this year, I think. Um Eden, out of them five games, a couple of players who stood out for you?
1: Um being a Rhinos fan, I'm gonna I'm gonna focus on that one first. I'm gonna say Richie Myler. Um, I think we've I think the Rhinos have looked poor since the restart. Um, but, you know, Milo's been missing for, for most of those games and he just he seems to just add something. And I, I've got to say because my dad will kill me if I don't. It was my dad who mentioned it first um, about Richie Milo and he it, it said it last season, we looked like a different side with Milo in there, especially running at full-back. Um, and when he said it, I kind of, I didn't disagree, but I didn't sort of think, yeah, you're absolutely right. But, you know, keeping a closer eye on it, I think it, it just makes us tick and we've got an hat-trick this week to show for it. So, you know... Because my dad knows more about it than uh, than I do.
0: Very much so. And I think someone else who's been standing out for you, boys, is Ash Handley. I've never been a massive fan of him. I think he's always playing on the outside of Conrad Hurrell. Um, he does get a lot of tries off him and, and kind of boosts up his own try stats. But very much more recently, he seems to be standing on his own two feet. His hat mm. this weekend was really impressive. I saw the the length of the field try as well. Um and he's coming into his age a bit now I always think of him as kind of like a late teen but I think he's about 23, 24 maybe even a bit older yeah. um, I've seen a few cries for him to maybe make the England squad uh, sorry the England team the starting 13 which I think is maybe a bit outside of his sphere um, yeah. but very impressive someone else who also stood out for me for St Helen's, Jack Wellsby he got another try and, and I think he's someone who's he, he, I think his primary position is fullback. He, he, he fills in whenever Lachlan Coote's out of there and, and injured and stuff. And I think maybe long-term when Coote retires or moves back home to Australia, they'll look at Jack Welby moving into that position. But whenever he's asked to kind of cover the wing or centre position too, he's always putting in a good performance. I know it's it's a lot easier with the St. Helen's team who are, who are thriving and putting in winning performances. But he's someone that stands out for, for me as well. Um, Eden, just very, very quickly as well, linking back to that same performance. How do you think Salford perform from this in the future? Um,
1: I think Salford are a little bit hit and miss. Um, when the good, they're very good with the likes of uh, Evels and linking up well with uh, with Tui Lola here. Um, but they, they weren't they weren't at it at all on the on. Saturday, we you know take nothing away from the Rhinos. We were good, good to bounce back after after a couple of big losses, but um, yeah, the Salford didn't really put, put any resistance together. Um, and I think it could could be a long end of the season for them uh, unless they start to sort of string those performances together,
0: very much so. And, and just looking at the Super league table, it's starting to, starting to uh, take shape a bit more now. Wigan Warriors top. St. Ellen second, Warrington third, Catland fourth, Leeds fifth, Castleford sixth, Huddersfield seventh, Hull FC eighth, Salford ninth, Wakefield tenth, and OKR bottom of the ladder. Um, Just looking at next week's fixtures too, oh sorry, it's actually middle of the week, isn't it? It's a Thursday night game, Salford Red Devils up against Castleford Tigers, Hulkingston Rovers up against Wigan Warriors, my boys the Wakefield Trinity up against Leeds Rhinos, which will be... Make for very interesting talk, I'm sure, in the next couple of days. And Huddersfield Giants up against St. Helens and Warrington Wolves up against Hull Sea. Um And then there's a quick spree of games into the next couple of weeks. I think we play a whole the, the couple of days after. There's only about a couple of days in between each. How, how, how do you think this... You know the com the compression of all these games are co- going to come into it with Super League. Is it just the fact that they've just got to play through it, or is it kind of looking at player welfare as well?
1: I think you have got to look at player welfare. Like I think, from a fan's point of view, it's good that we've got more to watch. Um, But you know, it's that many games in that kind of short period of time can really take its toll. You know, we, we've we've both played amateur rugby and. You know, you have an hard game and you you're still aching four or five days later. So and now to take that up, however many levels to Super League and to have them doing the same, it's you have got to think about that. But I think from Rhino's point of view, we've we announced the uh, the loan signings of Brett Ferris back on loan and James Harrison last night. So I think I think you'll see other teams sort of doing the same, just sort of having more numbers there to fill in and for that rotation, so that there is there is less on uh, there is less pressure and the strain on the bodies of those players
0: very much so it's a good point it's a good point you make actually because obviously these lower league players aren't really getting any game time at all because mm-hmm. of championship level and below are playing due to Covid restrictions um, but join us next week on Three Blocks Under the Rubble League podcast thank you very much to Eden Harris and myself as we have covered in for Two Blokes on a rubble podcast. But we'll be back next week with Jed and Joss, I believe. And we will have special guest Salford Red Devil star Chris Atkin join us. Keep an eye out on our social media in the next couple of days, and next couple of weeks. We've got some very, very exciting exclusive interview announcements with some current Super League players, ex-Super League players and an ex-NRL winning Uh, player as well in the next couple of weeks so keep an eye out for that thank you very much Eden Harris thank you to everybody that has listened or watched catch us on our Facebook Twitter Instagram and YouTube pages we will be on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all different podcasting formats as well Um, we will see you down the road everybody take care